0: It's 1107, and Jennifer Bukowski is with us. She's a criminal defense attorney, and she's always got her finger on the pulse of what's out there on the, in the zeitgeist. Uh, and uh, she joins us for the next uh, several minutes, and uh, we're going to move uh, topic along uh, to Mark Meadows, uh, because he's hired Paul Clement. Woo! That's uh, that's some pretty strong uh, legal representation. What do you think, Jen? Yeah,
1: so... This also involves the Fannie Willis case, which I can't believe this story was just breaking when I was coming on last week about her hiring her alleged boyfriend into the case at a rate of, of significantly higher than the special prosecutor that is actually a RICO expert. This boyfriend of hers apparently doesn't have any prosecutorial experience, much less RICO experience, that she's paying him at a rate far higher than the other two special prosecutors that she's hiring on georgia fulton county taxpayer dime by the way now mark meadows has hired paul clement who's like one of maybe the top supreme court lawyer in the country very highly respected he's gotten some big wins including the bruin case and new york rifle and pistol case here recently Um, to ask for the 11th Circuit to rehear his uh, argument that, look, I was a federal officer at the time of this uh, alleged criminal conduct that she has indicted me for, and uh, under the statutes, you need to remove this case to federal court. That's important, because if this case gets removed to federal court for Meadows and the others, then, you know, Donald Trump could pardon them all. But the fact that it's in Georgia, it's a state charge that's what makes this case trickier than the rest because georgia not even their republican governor can pardon them they have a, a weird process involving a board so this is the one that has the most legal jeopardy at stake for a lot of these defendants that still remain in the case so the fact that paul clement has joined on is a significant step
0: i um you know, it, the sad thing is that even if they bounce uh, fanny out of the uh, prosecutor's office, the case will go forward. I guess there's no stopping it now. Uh, but I think the, the they could whole...
1: always dismiss. I mean, they could always dismiss.
0: Yeah, but who who would do it in that uh, in that office?
1: Her successor could. I mean, it depends. Whoever her successor would be, I don't know that they'll bounce her out over this. But this certainly. Diminishes her credibility quite a lot. And then she goes to church and claims that it's racism. Why are they only bringing up one of these three special prosecutors? It just happens to be the black one. It happens to be the one that you've allegedly been having this affair with. That's why, Fanny. hello, you know. it does. So it's kind of ridiculous. And kudos to Roman co-defendant, uh, former Trump attorney who was indicted with him. That, that legal team is the one that uncovered divorce documents. Supporting these allegations, and Banny Willis has been subpoenaed to testify in that divorce trial as well. So things are heating up down in Georgia in a good way.
0: Well, I don't, I don't think it, uh, I don't think it does much for uh, for Donald Trump or uh, his people. But I, I'm not a big fan well, of RICO right. laws at all. Uh, Me neither,
1: especially this one. I mean, this one is insane. We have. We have the Unfair Merchandising Practices Act here in Missouri, which I'm not a big fan of either because it's so vague and it's basically whatever the attorney general thinks is unfair. They can file a lawsuit over it, but at least it's civil. This Georgia thing, you read this 90-some-count indictment, which I've got printed out here. They're looking at conduct all over the country, and it's just like got nothing to do with them, why Georgia tax dollars should be devoted to this. And this is what Paul Clement as pointed out in his brief rehearing hearing and something that uh, one of the judges said when they denied the removal, they said, well, look, Congress needs to fix this immediately and make it clear that former officials are covered by this because otherwise it's just going to be open lawfare anytime the administration changes parties. Every single official is going to be subject to this kind of liability from every local prosecutor that we have in America, and it's just going to be open season, and there are plenty of prosecutors that are willing to put a feather in their cap and go out with some kind of vague law like this RICO law, like Fannie Willis is doing, to make a name for herself. Like, what business is it of hers, like a locally elected official like that to take down a major presidential candidate that Americans want to vote for? She wants to put him in jail. I mean, it's the it's, it's nonsense. It's nonsensical. And so that's what Paul Clement is warning about in his brief. And I think that with him on board especially, there's a good chance the Supreme Court takes a look at it as well if he doesn't prevail uh, in getting an in banc re- review at the 11th Circuit.
0: Have the Democrats opened Pandora's box with these attacks on, on uh, Donald Trump?
1: yes. They have, and that's what they're warning about in this brief, especially when it comes to the local, state and local officials, because they're saying, look, this is stuff that happened when Trump was president and Mark Meadows was chief of staff, and if you're going to say that you you can't remove this stuff to federal court, then it's open season on any kind of federal official, you know, once they leave power all across the country. And there are plenty of jurisdictions where depending on who you are, you could lose with that jury pool. And so that's why it's so important, Paul Coleman is going to argue, to go ahead and find that he is covered by this law and it has to be removed to federal court. If it gets removed from federal court, if Donald wins the presidency, the case goes away.
0: If, if, if Donald wins the presidency, the case goes away. What if, what if Trump loses, but the federal court rejects? Or, I'm saying, I'm sorry, accepts Clement's argument. still goes away, doesn't it?
1: If he wins the presidency, he can make the federal cases go away. Oh, yeah. But yeah. this isn't a federal case. The other state case is such a nonsense case over hush money payments to Stormy Daniels in New York that it's laughable. Like, the legal experts, including me, we're not as concerned about that. Up until now, the big concern has been Georgia because there's no, you know there's no safety valve with the pardon power uh because it's at the state level and the governor couldn't even do it so it's been really concerning but the thing is yeah this is just they aren't looking very far in the future when they're weaponizing the department of justice or their own state criminal justice systems in this manner because if they can do it we can do it And so it's not very thoughtful of them to do that because then we have chaos and we have a banana republic and apparently that's what they want with the border and everything else.
0: If the Republicans in Georgia change their RICO law, suppose they they have a meeting uh, next month and they change the RICO law so that it doesn't have any teeth. Does that kill the case?
1: Well... That's a good question. I'd have to look into it because I know, like, if you change the law, it doesn't apply. There's ex post facto, so it can't apply retrospectively as a defendant's right. But the government doesn't have the same constitutional rights that defendants do. So the legislature probably could do something that's favorable to the defendant that applies ex post facto. Um, so that's an interesting that's an interesting argument. And I also think they could do something to fix the pardon thing with their, the way that's set up as well. Um, but I haven't heard any talk of them actually making that happen.
0: Well, I think the RICO laws leak. I think they're terrible. I think they're, they're used inappropriately. I think right. if the state of Georgia changes those RICO laws, then this whole thing can go away. And it should uh, uh, you know, I look at what they've done to this guy, dragging him from courtroom to courtroom, doing everything they can. And and I was talking about this earlier. It, it could be that they they expect Joe Biden to drop out at the state con- at the uh, convention for the Democrats, put somebody else in after egging Republicans on to making Trump their candidate, and the Democrats prevail again. Uh, it's entirely possible. Could
1: it be? Yeah, and they want to put. Donald Trump and his family in jail. I mean, that seems to clearly be the level of the Trump derangement syndrome that we're seeing here. They actually want to incarcerate them. And what that would do to the fabric of society, if we have another heads up between Joe Biden and Donald Trump, if it's close, if it goes the wrong way and they end up jailing the Trumps, who's going to want to run for office again and who's going to believe in our system of voting it's it'll be sad to see and so they should be ashamed of themselves for bringing these ridiculous things when they have all kinds of crime in fulton county georgia that's where atlanta is that's what her duty is to those people to provide public safety by going after the bad guys that are making their community less safe not by wanting to make herself a national news story by taking out a presidential candidate with her boyfriend and using that money by the way to go to fancy trips like napa valley That's ridiculous. It's really sad. The thing with uh, Fannie Willis hiring someone inappropriate reminded me about good old Kim Gardner hiring that former FBI guy that had been let go from the FBI for bigamy and had all kinds of problems and was lying uh, under oath about whether he had taken notes or used a camera and all that. Remember that? Like, what is the deal there? Isn't that kind of interesting that they hire these friends or whatever? I I suppose
2: Fannie Willis,
1: you know political offices like that they're all a little crooked when they are able to bring in their friends and make them richer but it's a real problem when you have a relationship with them. So if that's really the case here with Fannie Willis and this um, attorney Nathan Wade, that's a real problem for her.
0: I wonder if George Soros supported her too. I don't know. Listen, I'm up against the clock. Uh, i got to take a break. When we come back, E. Jean Carroll uh, another, another civil case with Donald Trump. We'll talk about it with Jennifer next on The Gary Nolan Show. It is 1122. Don't forget, tomorrow, Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft is going to be with us. We'll talk to him uh, about uh, the March uh, uh, election for the Republicans uh, uh, instead of yeah,
1: caucuses. Caucuses caucus like Iowans.
0: Yeah. Uh, are you, are you going to caucus?
1: I am, yeah. It said, oh gosh, I don't have it pulled up, but Mike Zweifel gave me the information and where you've got to be and you've got to, doors open at one time, the caucus starts, at I believe like 10, and then you get in there and you get your groups just like they do up in Iowa. So I think it should be fun. I'm going to go give it a try.
0: All right. Sounds good. Listen. Uh... And
1: delegates to the convention for the state are selected there, and if it's the state one. they're selected for the national one.
0: We'll, we're going to get uh, Jay Ashcroft to explain the whole process uh, tomorrow. That'll happen about oh, nine thirty-five. So he'll be with us. In the meantime, this E. Jean Carroll thing—she's uh, going back to court. She's suing him again, Donald Trump, because he said something about it never happened.
1: I, I and she's a total whack job. So she sued him, I, him for defamation again. I don't know how much her reputation is supposedly worth, but, uh, yeah, I think, and like last time, last time he didn't dignify her lawsuit by showing up to court. That's changed. Today he's in court with her, and, uh, the judge is severely restricted what he can say. There's, the judge is like, we're not relitigating what happened last time, so he's not supposed to be able to say things like, I don't know her, this is a whack job, that kind of stuff. But you never know with the president because he doesn't seem to be having a legal strategy as much as a pl- public relations strategy with these cases, and it seems to be working for him. And here's another time that he's having to take his time and go to a courtroom for this you know, dubious accusation about what happened in, what, the 90, like over twenty, twenty, thirty years ago in Bergdorf Goodman. But this time it's about, well, since I got my $5 million judgment against you, which the jury didn't believe her. Remember that, Gary? They didn't believe her claim of rape, but they believed that he like put his hands on her. Uh, So they didn't really believe this woman. Is there a way that he can appeal? $5 million anyway. Is there a way he can
0: appeal that first decision? I mean,
1: mean, if there were some sort of... Legal errors that the court made. I, I would think that the appeals are already in in process right now.
0: Because I didn't believe done. her. I didn't believe her, uh, and I, I I just thought it was a railroad job. And you know they had to literally they had to change the laws in the state of New York in order for her to go after him. And they did it so that she could go after him.
1: Yeah, and the Harvey Weinsteins and all that kind of stuff it's 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 really interesting and kind of problematic but i'm literally keeping a calendar because there's so many different lawsuits and things going on with trump of what he has coming up next it's like he has more court appearances than he does campaign stops right now and that's the whole point isn't it but it's not working out for them unless you're right gary and they're trying to lure us into nominating him because they have a plan to parachute in like a michelle obama or something because they I think sh- they can beat. Because they can't, couldn't beat like a DeSantis
0: or a Haley. Biden has to know. His people have to know. His numbers are, his approval numbers are in the 30s. I mean, this is a, about as bad as it gets. They know yeah, this guy. And
1: we're heading towards World War III. Things are falling apart because we don't have strong leadership at the top right now.
0: And this guy is incompetent. I mean, he can barely put one leg and one foot in front of the other. So I, I just think at the last minute the rug gets pulled out, and they drop somebody else in. And if that, okay. and I said this earlier in the program, if the Democrats were smart, they they'd talk to Joe Manchin.
1: Here's a question for you: Would you rather have had? Would you rather Hillary be president right now than Joe Biden? I almost think I would, because at least she's not. She hasn't lost it mentally.
0: Oh, why would you? Why would you even come up with that ugly scenario? <laughs> what? What? What kind of a
1: polluted That's mind? It's an interesting thought experiment, Gary. Because I mean, at least she's still with it mentally. So they would have to, you know, Putin or whoever would have to worry. Well, what's the reaction going to be if she has? An angry reaction if I do this or that with Biden, it's like la la la. He can be bought, his family can be bought, they, his enemies basically, and he's not all there. So they're not worried about us. China's flying balloons right over my house, you know.
0: Yeah, I I remember. Oh Lord, oh what a terrible terrible choice. Uh, that's a Hobson's choice, isn't it? I think so. <laughs> Uh, anyway, maybe,
1: uh, but I almost wonder if Hillary would be better just for the safety of America right now but maybe she could get reelected so maybe it's not good We shall see, but it, should, it won't be her that they parachute in, we know that
0: I I don't believe this uh, Somebody just snuck a phone call in on Hillary How did how, I, I gotta I got take this and find out what he's
1: Because
0: uh, <laughs> he was quick on the draw. Dave, good morning Good morning, Gary. Are you going to uh, answer so, Jennifer's query? Yeah, no, Hillary. No, the problem is, yeah, Hillary can talk, she can walk. But the point is, their policies are all the same. That's the problem. So, heck, does it really matter who who gets in there? Their policies are all the same. So, Miles will leave Joe in there. They can blame everything on Joe. I mean, that's what's going up.
2: That's what's going on.
0: Yeah, probably the difference between Biden and Hillary is she would do it on her own, uh, but somebody behind the uh, you know behind the curtain has to pull his strings. Yeah, that's what's going
1: on. And he yeah. could drop at any moment. We'd have Kamala.
0: Man, you are just really trying to make me sick today, Dave. Thank you for the call. Oh, what what did I do to you? I I don't understand. Jennifer, you're the best part of the Gary Nolan show. <laughs> oh, my God. You keep it at 15 years old, for crying out loud. Oh, boy. All right. Listen, uh, we always appreciate having you on the program. It's always fun to, to chat with you and get caught up. Uh, but now that you've made me uh, really, uh, well, you've upset me terribly, uh, this whole I, choice. I'll,
1: uh, I'll bring more royal news and upset you next. more or less next week. Maybe. That, that'll actually
0: make Brian happy. <laughs> Brian is a real Royals follower. Yeah. <laughs> Jennifer, thank you. I'm glad thank to you have you. Gary. All right. Take care. Jennifer Bukowski on The Gary Nolan Show. I had a discussion over the weekend with a listener. It was an email discussion. We went back and forth. Uh, he pointed me to a story, a Wall Street Journal story about uh, some kid using marijuana. And uh, he was arguing that, you know, I'm wrong about legalizing drugs. Well, I'll, I'll give you some of the details of that in the next half hour, but there is apparently, uh, 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 and this is you can find this at Reason Magazine, uh, reason dot com. The newly unveiled HHS rationale for rescheduling marijuana underlines drug warriors dishonesty. Right now, anybody anywhere—I mean, they're going after marijuana like they went after tobacco it's relentless there'll be junk studies people will not relent because they've been brainwashed and they'll hide under any rock so we're going to go over this change in the federal law next on the gary nolan show the zimmer radio network this is the gary nolan show It's 1135, glad to have you with us. I got an email from uh, a guy, a gentleman, his his name is Thomas, I won't give you his last name. Uh, And he sent uh, a link to me, Uh, what day was this, I think it was Saturday. Uh, Anyway, it said, uh, here we go again, this is what happens with drug legalization. You're going to create an entire population of virtually non-functional psychotic addicts, mostly young and who do you think is gonna pay the bill for their physical slash mental health care? You and me. He's arguing that, that my position, the libertarian position on the war on drugs, is wrong. And that somehow the entire country is gonna be addicted to drugs, and that just it, it just it doesn't make sense. It's just it's pure nonsense. Um and and I pointed out to him that it isn't the job of the government to protect you from your own uh, behavior. Uh, You know, if you think that it is, if you think it's the the government's job to protect you from your own behavior, then let's let the government outlaw sugar uh, because that leads to heart disease. And who will pay for that? Uh, You, uh, will you start, you know, then I asked him if they legalized marijuana or drugs, would he start using the drugs? it's never you'll do it, it's always the other guy will do it. That's the argument that I keep hearing from drug warriors. Part of the problem here is we've been brainwashed. We've been hearing about this for more than most of my listeners have been alive. This started in 1968 with Richard Nixon, and it just gotten worse ever since. We've spent over a trillion dollars On the war on drugs. And we have about the same percentage of drug users in this country today that we had before the war on drugs. So clearly, this has been a waste. Um, And and then I, I pointed out that I would rather a drug user abuse themselves than see the police die in a raid or a child get shot over a turf war. And I sent him to a website, Leap.cc. I don't think he went there. He said, uh, points well taken. I think you may be vastly underestimating the human consequences of making addictive drugs available. There are 140,000 deaths a year due to legalized alcohol. 480,000 deaths a year due to tobacco. And we're going to add to the addiction uh, with drugs? So, in other words, he wants to bring back the war on alcohol? I mean, this... I don't blame the guy. This is what you've been indoctrinated uh, into after decades of war on drugs. And it is a very profitable, on both sides, uh, uh, war. It means that the drug dealers get more for the drugs... And it means that the government gives out more money to fight them. Everybody is making money except, you know, us. So, you know, eventually, uh, the you know, the back and forth ended. And I, I don't know if I convinced him or not. But there is now a change in the war on drugs. Uh, The newly unveiled HHS rationale for rescheduling marijuana underlies drug warriors' dishonesty. They've known for years that there are medical benefits to marijuana. They're dropping it from a Schedule 3 to a Schedule 1 drug. You know, what's really sad here in the state of Missouri is that we now have a constitutional amendment so that even if the federal government decides Eh, we're just going to stop this. This is this has been wrong from the get go. We're stuck with these rules on our constitution, making it very profitable for just a slim few. But they've known that there were medical uses for for uh, the uh, the THC and and uh, it's 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 ridiculous to assume that the government should tell you whether or not you can self-medicate. And, it, it, you know, if, if you're not going to use it, I guess you don't have much to worry about. But we always hide behind other people will do it. We're so terrified that other people will do it. And we've been hearing this stuff forever and ever and ever. Uh, and it doesn't pan out. Trillion dollars on the war on drugs to end up with about the same percentage of the population using them? I don't see where that's a particularly good investment. Imagine that the cops no longer have to go under, you know, undercover and put themselves in danger because these drugs are no longer illegal. And as I've pointed out in the past, if there's some member of your family, someone you love dearly, that is addicted to drugs... Wouldn't you rather they be able to go into a drugstore than have to buy them from a stranger in the middle of the night in the worst part of town and get a product that was made by who knows who and who knows when? If you disagree with me, I'm going to uh, I'm going to uh, give you a suggestion. Go to leap.cc, L-E-A-P, leap.cc. These are law enforcement agents, and I've known a couple of them. Uh, They're judges, they're prosecutors, they're police officers, and they make the case that this is an unwinnable war. And furthermore, states that were you know going after drugs prior to 1968, they were doing it for purely racist reasons. Whether it was the opioid dens in uh, uh, in San Francisco uh, because they were uh, the Chinese were were going in, or it, it was the uh, uh, Marijuana. The can't have these white women smoking marijuana. Oh God! They'll start going to bed with black men. Literally, those are the motivations for much of the uh, the state's wars on drugs. Uh, let me go to the phones here. Kenny is on the line. Kenny, good morning.
1: Good morning, uh, Gary. I want to correct something you said. Richard
0: Nixon was not president in 1968. He ran on the war on drugs in 1968.
1: No, he became president in 1969.
0: He ran on the war on drugs in 1968.
1: No, but you said
2: he was president in 1968.
0: All right, so I was okay. off by a few months. But my point was he started the war on drugs. That was his campaign issue in
1: 1968. I mean, okay. I mean John Kerry claiming that he was president for Christmas 1968 when we entered Cambodia. And he was not. Okay,
0: thank you. All right, thank you. Yeah, he, he ran on the war on drugs in 1968 and pushed it. That's that's where this federal uh, uh, thing came from. Um, Brian would know better than me because he probably voted for him that year. But, you know, he probably won't admit <laughs> it. <sighs> All right, uh, we're up against the clock again, so we're going to have to take a quick break. We're going to come back and wrap it up. We'll talk about what's coming up on uh, the stations today. Well, actually, I'm going to talk about what's coming up on 93.90 Eagle. Uh, Brian will talk about what's coming up on KWOS. (laughs) Just put him on the spot. Gary Nolan, Zimmer Radio Network. It is uh, 11.49, and if you're listening to us on uh, the Eagle 93.9 You got Glenn Beck, and then you got Sean Hannity to take you home. Uh, But if you're listening to us on KWOS, well, who do you have there? You have uh, Clay Travis and Buck Sexton starting at 12 noon today. A little after, after the news. Can't go wrong. Either way, you can't go wrong. I'm just saying. There is a a story in the Washington Post, Brian, about a guy. He's about your age. Um, Real young guy, huh? He's 93. (laughs) They say that he is as fit as a 40-year-old and that it gives some clue into aging. This guy started exercise. He didn't exercise his entire life. He did not exercise. He started at the age of 73. He got on a rowing machine, and uh, he had an opportunity as one of his grandsons invited him to come with him somewhere, and they had a rowing machine, and he got on it, and he just never looked back. The guy's been rowing. Wow. Ever since, uh, he's a one-time baker and a battery maker. He's got creaky knees, uh, and he didn't take up regular exercise. Uh, what? How old did I say? It's, it was ninety-three. In his, no, no, it's seventy-three. I think seventy-three. He was in his seventies. Oh, when he started. Okay, so when he started. Yeah, I, I, I goofed. I screwed that up. Um, his fitness routine, uh, b- b- the equivalent of almost ten times around the globe. On these on these rowing machines, he he hits it like forty minutes a day, and his heart and lungs are as good as someone half his age. This is this is good for you. This is incredible. Um, he uh, he starts training. Uh, he didn't start uh, exercise exercise till he's seventy three, and he had an opportunity. To use these rowing machines, and then the coach invited him. Uh, yeah, the the coach had invited him to use them. He now, he at, at ninety two at the time, uh, he went to the physiology lab at the University of uh, uh, Limerick in in Ireland, and th- this guy is in such amazing shape. His heart was beating at hundred and fifty three beats per minute, which may not sound like. A hell of a lot, but at his age, it's literally it's a record. Um, During his time trial, his heart rate peaked at 153 beats a minute, well above the expected maximum heart rate for uh, his age, and among the highest peaks ever recorded for someone in their 90s. Uh, His heart uh, headed toward the peak rather quickly, meaning it was able to rapidly supply his working muscles and oxygen with fuel. Uh, the the oxygen uh, uptake kinetics, a key indicator of cardiovascular health, proved comparable to, to a healthy thirty or forty year old. So maybe the Democrats have the right idea by keeping us working, uh, well into our seventies. They're just trying to keep us healthy, you know, as opposed to being retired and spending your time, uh, you know, on the strato lounger. No, no. Uh, we'll just tax you and work you to death, and and then uh, you'll you'll be better off for it. Wow. Clint Eastwood is is pretty uh pretty uh, uh I think he's in his nineties, and I understand he works out every day, hours a day. There might be something to this. Jack is on the line. Good morning, Jack.
2: Good morning. I'm going to throw you a little story too. I'm 87 years old right now. And I'm still walking with my two legs, no walker, no canes, no nothing. But the story I wanted to tell you about was Boone Hospital for years had a program called Wellaware, which was a gym you worked out at. Did that for about 10, 12 years, and then they shut it down. Then I had to have open-heart surgery. I had bypass. And when my cardiologist, I was in my 70s when I had this surgery, and my cardiologist afterwards said the surgeon told me that when he... Open you up, your heart looked like the heart of a 40 year old man. And I was over 70 at the time. Wow. So it's just proof that you go on a regular exercise program. I was going three days a week, and then I go out to the ark now about twice a week because of my age. But don't sit on your duff when you hit 75 or 80. Stay at it and you'll still have a little bit of life left. So I just wanted to pass that on because I was impressed about the fact of what the surgeon said after he did the triple bypass on me, that my heart was that of a 540-year-old man. So wow. at the time I was over 70. So I just wanted to pass that on to your listeners, Gary. Well,
0: bless you, Jack. That's a terrific story.
2: It is. Thank you.
0: All right, take care. Glad to have you on The Gary Nolan Show. Wow, there's hope for us yet. We just have to join the gym don't people sweat when they do that brian i'm guessing they do yeah oh, I, I i don't do sweat no 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 i, I don't i don't do sweat <laughs> i don't know There's, i i there's an instinct to live as long as you can and i understand that but there's also an instinct to enjoy your life while you can and I think, uh, you know, maybe you don't go to your 80, maybe you, you die at 75, but you enjoyed yourself for 75 years. Uh, does that make sense? It does, sure. You know, uh, yeah, I shouldn't eat, you know, refined carbohydrates, but they're good. I enjoy eating them. So every once in a while, I'll... You, go out. you just shouldn't overdo it. That's That's the key. Yeah, and you can I... have uh, sweets once in a while. You know what I've been eating lately? I, I this is really strange because it's different for me. I get these bags of romaine lettuce and chicken strips, and I got this olive oil salad dressing. Mm-hmm. And man, is it good! Uh, and I, I'm usually I'm pretty much a, a a meat and potatoes kind of guy, although I've given up on the potatoes but i am enjoying the hell out of this it's it's uh, almost the mediterranean diet uh and i did atkins for years and and lost a ton of weight but this seems this seems more fun and i'm i'm it just feels healthier i don't know <sighs> chicken strips salad it's just nobody would nobody in my family would believe it uh, it just it would it would not be uh plausible. They wouldn't think. I mean, because after all, I'm Mr. Atkins. All right. uh, Listen, we are uh, fast running out of time. The caucus is in Missouri. This is new for us, but we're going to have the Secretary of State, Jay Ashcroft, on the program tomorrow. And we'll get him to explain because there there seems to be some confusion about how this is going to pan out so we'll have him come on board and uh, and talk about that but there's more because today the house rules committee is going to debate on a rule uh for a resolution to hold hunter biden in contempt uh so we've got mark tapscott coming on the program mark is with uh epic times and uh, he's going to be following this and he'll give us a blow by blow Hunter was supposed to show up for closed-door testimony. And the closed-door testimony, you don't get interrupted with, you know, like you have three minutes and then move on to, the, to somebody else. It's a much more grueling um, interview. And he was supposed to show up for that. And he didn't. He went, to, he went to the Senate side, made a speech, you know, a couple of minutes and then, and then left. Well, he then subsequently showed up in the House of Representatives when they were debating what to do about his uh, contempt of Congress. He said, "Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, you know, I'll do it right now." Yeah, he wants to do it right now because he knows you can't get a good line of questioning in. You get a couple of minutes and then uh, you go to the Republican, the, the Democrat, a couple of minutes and then the Republican. And what the Democrats don't want you to know. Is that they used the same plan the Republicans are using when they went after uh, Donald Trump with the January sixth and, and and the impeachment, and all that nonsense? But apparently Biden's above the law; doesn't have to go. We'll see what the Justice Department does. Probably nothing. Whatever it is in life that you want, what get it? Don't wait for the government to drop
1: it in your lap. You make it happen. You seize the day, Carpe Diem, Gwen, baby, honey, I'm coming home.